0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at GraceCitySD.com. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There there was a plot afoot amongst the the Gentiles and Jews, uh uh-oh, sorry, together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and went and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the freedom that we have together in a public park and worship. Um, Soften our hearts and help us to hear your words through Randall. Um, Have it land on our receptive ears and hearts. Um, And just thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Mika. Good morning, everyone. Happy Independence Day, 4th of July. Um, you know, I think it's been said before uh, many times, but I think it's it resonated with me this week uh, afresh, is that, you know, freedom is not free. It costs something. And uh, over this past week, I uh, oversaw my, my uncle's funeral. And my uncle uh, served in Vietnam, uh, was... Uh, in a helicopter and got shot, and so he was a recipient of the Purple Heart, and just kind of hearing about his his life, his experiences, I poured over uh, what he'd been through, I was reminded about how much it cost uh, for freedom, and so uh, anyone here, uh, retired military, active military, first responders, anyone here, if you could just stand up real quick, where you're at, put your hand up. Let's give it up for them. Thank you for those who have served us. Thank you. Uh, Now, we're going to continue in the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts from the beginning of the year. We've been talking about uh, the early church and what does it look like, Um, not just to say that the church should move forward into the future, but the way that the church moves forward is going back and seeing what the church is all about. Um, So we've been looking through the book of Acts, and we're all the way, uh, about halfway now, um, into Acts 14. And so we're looking at Acts 14, 1 through 20. And um, the message today is this, gospel resilience, gospel resilience. Angela Duckworth wrote a book called Grit. And in that book, she says, enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare. Let me say that again. Enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare. And I believe that this statement has uh, is very relevant for us as Christians. I don't know about you, but but it just seems like again and again, we just keep getting news articles about people saying that they're uh, ditching their faith. They're no longer Christians. And to look at the the, the season that we've been in, it's been in a very difficult uh, season. But does that mean that we should... Um, give up on our faith. I remember I was training for a half marathon. uh, Eventually I want to do a full marathon, but I've done a half marathon. I remember I was training, and it takes a lot of time to train for any type of long distance, whether it be a triathlon, marathon, half marathon. It takes a lot of time to do that. And I remember just how long it took me because I would just run for hours. Just run. Just run. And that was it. It was just like I'm just running and running and running. And I remember getting on the treadmill. And uh, sometimes I would train indoors. Sometimes I would train outdoors. But I remember training indoors. um, And I remember being at the YMCA and jumping on the treadmill. And I would see people who would get on there. And I don't know what their goals were when they got on the treadmill. But they would turn it on, like, really fast. Right? Like, really fast. And they would start running. And for a moment, they looked like they were doing really well. But then about 10 minutes later, they were completely gassed. They, they had no more energy, and they got off, and they just walked out, and that was it. And I remember I would see that time and time and time again. And so for you, where are you at in this journey of being a Christian? How long are you willing to go in this race? Because the only way that I believe that you're going to make it is through gospel resilience. A resilience, not on yourself, not on your own strength, but on God's strength. Because I got to confess, for me, I've been in a season where things have been really difficult. It's been hard. You know, I, I again, I just went to the funeral of a family member who I love very much. Right. There's there's been a season of ups and downs and all of these things that whether it be things with church, whether it be personal life things like there's a lot going on. I was listening to a talk by a man named Dan Allender, who who, who just is a therapist and he's talking to Christian therapists and he says, do you understand the amount of vicarious trauma that you go through just as a pastor? And they talk about in ministry. And in all of these things, he says, how many people give up? He says, you just keep getting pounded time and time and time and time again, whether it be just really high highs or really low lows, but it all has an effect on you. And as we are coming out of the pandemic and all of these things are starting to open up, I just want you to know that it's easy to feel like, okay, things are going to be great now. Things are going to be okay because everything's opening up. But you have to know that there's been a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows that you've been through. And the only way that you're going to make it is leaning upon God and others and, and the help that you're going to need to make it through. So how do we speak the gospel to ourselves in times like this? I remember I was having a conversation recently with my friend Ryan. He was, We were talking, I was sharing with him all the things that were going on. And I was beating myself up. I didn't realize it. But he looked at me and said, Randall, how much grace are you speaking to yourself right now? How much grace? Because do you believe that God's talking to you like that? Or is that you just beating yourself up? I should have done this better. I should have seen this before. I should have known what to do here. Do you know what that was built on? It was all about me. And if you continue on that path, that's not gospel resilience. It's going to keep beating you down further and further. And so, what's the conversations that we need to keep having with ourselves and that we're going to see in today's text? Well, Eugene Peterson once said the Christian life is the practice of living in what God has done and is doing. Living in what God has done and what God is doing. There are things that God has done that are fixed within history. Christ died for you. Your faith and my faith is not built on what you do, but what God has done for you in Jesus. That's the gospel, friends. And he did it for sinners, messed up people. But then there's another side of what God is doing right now in your life that it's hard to see. You're going through trials. You're going through tough times. It's hard to have resilience, but you have to believe that God is doing something in you and through you that you can't see on the outside. So our text today is from Acts 14, 1 through 20, and I think this is a this is a gospel hope. This is a truth that's a hope for you and me today when we go through tough times. Today's passage uh, really helps us because it goes beyond what's natural, to us, to, to people. It's what makes the book of Acts so amazing. You see, that the book of Acts is not a book about how these super apostles accomplish all of these things on their own human strength. But what we see time and time again is that the book of Acts is what God accomplishes through weak and unqualified vessels. That's what he does. And so today, if you feel weak, if you feel unqualified, you're in the right place, because that's who God works through. Remember Acts four thirteen. Here's what it says. When they looked at Peter and John, here's what it says. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. We got to come back to this again and again and again. The way that you're going to make it through, whatever you're facing, the way that you're going to go beyond what is natural to you is when people look at you and you're making it through, not on your own strength, not on your own ability like we see here, but you've been with Jesus. It'll be astonishing. And it'll astonish yourself. You're like, how did I make it through? God did it. See, Just to give some context here, this is the completion of the first missionary journey uh, by Paul and Barnabas. And in chapter 14, we see again that they're going to experience more sacrifice, opposition, trials, and persecution. Like I said before, the early church, trials, persecution, running for their lives, seeing friends die. Like that's what happens in the book of Acts. Happened all throughout. And again, they're going to face this. And there is a need for resilience. We see this theme all through the early church. See, it was through challenging times that they demonstrated this gospel resilience. And so what can we learn today from this passage about what it means to lean into a gospel resilience more than your own human strength and your own ability? Well, we learned that it's built through a desperate reliance, number one. Number two, an intense refinement. And number three, higher responsibility. Desperate reliance, intense refinement, higher responsibility. So the first one is a desperate reliance. Look at verses 2 through 4. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews some with the apostles. And so first, what we must see here in this passage is that there's a clear opposition and division that's formed against the disciples, the apostles that are preaching. Verse 2 says that the Jews poisoned the minds of the Gentiles. So again, people that were coming in really didn't know much of what was going on here, but there were people who were actively opposing the message of Jesus. And it says that Paul and Barnabas, in the midst of this, remained for a long time. Do you see that? It says, first it says that there was opposition. Then it says that they remained. Okay, let's think about that for a minute. When you are facing opposition, when you are facing difficulty, when there's things that are going on that are outside of your control and things are really bad, What's your natural response? See, for me, at times, it's easy for me to run, to hide, to not get involved. Right. At other times, it's easy to get upset, to fight, to argue, to seek revenge. And what I want to say today is this. That as you start to think about opposition that you may have faced in your life, These are all natural responses that we have in our flesh. And those responses can be rooted in sin and selfishness. See, we want to avoid a situation or we want to defend ourselves. But what we see all throughout Scripture is that God is our protector. That God is the one who fights for us. That God calls us to trust Him when things aren't going our way. It's going to take a supernatural strength to be able to do that. See, instead of running or defending themselves or arguing with the people or fighting, it says instead they 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 remained. They spoke boldly for the Lord. They shared about God's grace and did signs and wonders pointing to God. See, what do we want to do naturally when when, when there's opposition? We want to, in some way, show our resume. Show why we're qualified. Show why we should be here. Right? But what God does through the apostles is he, he starts to show that it's not about them, it's about God. That's what happens when you start to have a desperate reliance upon God. See, how were they able to stay in the place like this for a long time when things got difficult? It was a desperate reliance upon the Lord. A desperate reliance upon the Lord. It's a desperate reliance saying, God, I can't do this. I need you to come in. And what happens is God works through that. The Apostle Paul talks about his trials, his difficulties. You know, a lot of times we like to hijack that verse from Philippians thirteen or 4.13. 4, 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We like to hijack that out of context and say that's going to make me score the winning goal or the, the, it's going to give me that, that, that promotion that I've been seeking or all those things. Like We like to hijack that. Do you know what Paul was talking about? He's talking about his most difficult trials that he had faced in his life. And he said, I can be content, this is the secret, because I have strength through Christ. That was it. Whatever I face. Desperate reliance on God. Nancy Lee DeMoss said this, she says, Brokenness is the stripping of self-reliance and independence from God. The broken person has no confidence in his own righteousness or his own works, but he is cast in total dependence upon the grace of God working in and through them. Here's the thing. What was the message that they kept coming back to? It says that they kept coming back to the message of grace. Bore witness to the word of his grace. Whose grace? God's grace. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve to be here. I'm standing here upon the grace that God has given and solely on what God has done. Desperate reliance upon God. See, this is the starting place. If you want to know today, maybe you're coming in and listening and saying, what does it mean to be a Christian? This is the starting place to be a Christian. Is weakness, dependence, and it takes Humility. It takes a, a, a spirit that says, I can't do it, but I need God. See, recently a friend asked me a question. He says, what are you learning right now? And, and, I, and I said, it's this. It's, it's not despair. I'm learning dependence. And I want to say that some of you today, you're living in despair because of the situation that you're in, the challenges that you're facing. And I always say, I've been there before, too. That, that self-pity that starts to creep in, right? That, that pride that starts to come in and say, I'm going to make this right. No, it's, it's learning dependence. I remember when my daughter, Elle, was learning to, to swim. One of the things that was really difficult for her was laying back on her back and floating, and I remember she was so scared to put her head back and just lean back. And, and I said, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to carry you, and I'm going to just carry you, and I just want you to get comfortable here. Because this is where you're going to be. You've you got to learn to float. And you just got to be comfortable with me holding you here and start to relax. And, and as over time, what happened is as I'm holding her, she's starting to become more and more relaxed. And she's starting to float a little bit more. Right, and and it's just like she's she like I'm still there, but I'm not holding her as much. And so, what we're finding is that learning to trust God is learning to to know that He's there with us. That it's going to be okay, and we're going to start to float. And it's like, okay, it's this it's this reliance on Him. Second point is this intense refinement. We don't like this point, do we? You're like, oh man, intense refinement. little refinement's cool with me, but intense? No. Okay, so verses 5 through 7 and 19 through 20. We're going to skip down and skip up, skip down. Okay, so uh, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of uh, Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they uh, continued to preach the gospel. Down to verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead but when the disciples gathered with him he rose up and entered the city and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby let that settle with you for a minute do gets stoned dragged out of the city gets up next day you know walks out like wow Okay, so what's happening here? Well, this mob from Iconium traveled to Lystra and Derby. Now, I want you to know this. Like, we we see these names, but we don't really know the the landscape. That's a 90-mile journey. Okay, that's a 90-mile trek that... Paul and Barnabas went on to go to these other cities as they fled, but we see that these same people are pursuing them for 90 miles to stir up and make trouble in their lives. Do you feel like you have people in your life like that? Right? You're like, okay, they, they're like pursuing to make things more difficult for me. This is really what it looks like. Okay, that this is difficult. Traveling to stir things up as they're preaching the word, and people eventually stone Paul and leave him for dead. Okay. How is God choosing choosing to refine his messengers through intense suffering? Hold on, I thought when I became a Christian things were going to be easy breezy. Things were going to be better. I thought my life this is going to be my best life right now. No friends. It's not right now. It's in the future. It's in the future. Your best life is in the future. Your best life is hidden with Christ. This is not your best life. I feel like it at times. It's not here. And this isn't a surprise because remember back in Acts 9, 9, 16, it says, this is when Paul was converted. It says, Jesus says this. He says, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I will show him How much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Are you saying that God allows suffering in our lives? Suffering in our lives to, with a purpose? Yes. He does. Friends, today I just want to encourage you, don't waste the suffering that God is doing in your life. Lean into him, rely upon him. Through the trials and through the troubles. Because look at verses five and nineteen that says, When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles, Jews, with their rulers to mistreat them and stone and to stone them. Uh, but but it says that they 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 fled, right? So they weren't like, Yeah, bring it on. Okay, just beat me up. No, they used wisdom, discretion, they they ran. They they went to another city, they they stayed the time they needed to. So there's not this like weird like, I'm gonna go suffer for Jesus, type of thing. But if it comes on you, it comes. Right? Like, I'm not gonna put myself into positions that make it harder, more difficult, any of those things. We see that they fled. But also, it says that Jews came there from Antioch and Iconium, so they're very committed, and they wanted to persuade the crowds to, to stone Paul. Now, about suffering, um, one pastor, Timothy Keller, writes this. He says, There's never been a culture with a lower pain threshold than ours where people scream faster, but also a a culture that gave us fewer resources for dealing with brutal realities of life and death than ours. You feel resourced for this? You feel ready for this? Walk through the book of Acts, right? Read the Bible. You're going to see it. It's there. But we have to encourage each other through this that if you're facing difficulties and trials, don't be surprised. And so why does God allow it? I like this quote from Jerry Bridges. He says, In his infinite wisdom, God allows trials in order to develop perseverance in us and to cause us to fix our hopes on the glory that is yet to be revealed. Our faith and perseverance can grow only under the pain of trial." You want to know what it takes to be a woman of God, to be a man of God? It's to learn perseverance. And it's only going to come when trials and refinement, intense refinement, come into our lives. Because that's when we see. And we see that the apostles learn that here. But lastly, number three, a higher responsibility. Look at verses 8 through 11 and 14 through 17. It says, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He, he listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to, to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand up uh, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, They lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, And the gods have come down to us in in the likeness of men. Down to 14. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you and bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Here's the thing. What is Paul doing here? Well, first, we see that he's preaching. Right, he's preaching. He does it in verse 9. He, he's preaching. He's talking. He, he's, and, and what happens is that this crippled man is, is listening to what he's saying. And as Paul preaching is preaching, he, he stops and heals this crippled man. And, and what, what's easy for us is to focus on is that well the, the miraculous, you know, and all of these miraculous things. But like we said, all throughout the book of Acts, all throughout the, the New Testament, what we see is that what's the point of the miracle? it happened to validate the gospel in people's sight, in people's eyes, right? To say, this is from God. And and, and so here's, here's what's happening here. Paul preached the word. It was validated through the healing of this crippled man who'd been crippled since birth. And what happens is, the people in the city start to celebrate and start to lift up Paul and Barnabas like they're gods. Like, like they're, 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 they're beyond what they really are. They, that they're, they, they came down as their gods, right? And, and, and that was not the point of any of this. See, Paul says in verse 15, we, we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things you should turn from these vain things. Now this word for vain is the word worthless. Word means empty, deceptive, ineffective. It's things that promise fulfillment but leave you empty. See, the world needs us to share the word and deed, ministry, so that they they can see that there's something higher than just... A small little miracle that's temporary. There's a higher calling here, because Paul and Barnabas had this responsibility. And and here's the here's the thing that you know that there's a higher calling. They could have fell into the trap. Again, remember, these guys were beaten. They 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 walked miles and miles and miles to 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 tell of the gospel. And, and one of the temptations that they could have fallen into was we're going to be really comfortable here. People are treating us really nicely here. And so it, it's okay. Like we can, we can start to receive some of this. We've been through a lot of, of, of things, bad things. People are treating us better now. They're not stoning us. They're, 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 they're treating us really well. Do you see the temptation of comfort that could have just crept in and said, I'm just going to be comfortable here? This is a nice city. People are nice here. But instead, what they, they said is, no. We're not going to accept that. We're not here to be worshipped. We're, we're just people. We're just men. Like, we're just like you. Why are you lifting us up? Why are you praising us? Why, why are you doing these things? Don't you see that this is empty? Don't you see that this is worthless? Can you imagine how Comfortable it could have been in comparison to all the trials they had previously faced. But no, there was a higher responsibility to tell people about the good news of Jesus, that there's something that's not empty. And so let me ask today, and we've got to ask ourselves this, are we choosing the easy way out rather than the higher responsibility? Leonard Ravenhill once said, Today's church wants to be raptured from responsibility. Let that settle in for a minute. Today's church wants to be raptured from responsibility. God's calling us to live out in obedience to him. And yes, it's going to be hard. And yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, you're going to face trials. All those things will come. But we want to be raptured from responsibility. We want to be taken away from responsibility. See, we all have a higher responsibility from God to tell people the the truth, whether whether it settles well or not. It's not my word. It's his word. So just some takeaways. How can we have a gospel resilience? We're just going to ask two questions. The first one is this. What am I trusting more than Jesus? What am I trusting more than Jesus? This is another way to put it. What do I keep going back to that leaves me empty? What do I keep going back to that leaves me empty? Maybe it's that app on the phone you just keep going back to, but it's going to leave you empty. Maybe it's that that dream of getting that thing that I wanted, and then you get it, and you're like, oh, that leaves me empty. It's pursuing things in this life, whether it be a relationship or something else, and it just keeps leaving me empty. See, these are the things that we can fall into, the traps that we can fall into and, and trusting them more than Jesus. And, and, and that's what Paul is trying to tell the people there. It's like, hey, don't put, your, don't put your faith in these worthless things any longer. We want you to see how good God is. I was asked this week by uh, my coach, my gospel coach, my friend, Bob. He said, um, he said, Randall, are you living right now as an orphan or as a child of God? Are you living right now as an orphan or a child? And I was thinking about all the things that I was going through and I was just explaining him all this stuff and I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like I've been living like an orphan. Do you know what living like an orphan's like? There's two flavors of it. First flavor is you live like a Pharisee and you think you got it all right and you got, you got your life together and you, you can do this on your own. And you know what it is? It's Independence Day every day. Independence from God. (laughs) I got it from here, Lord. You know? So there's that Pharisee in you that can leave you like an orphan. Or it's the thing inside of you that says, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. No way God could love me. I'm going to keep my distance from you over here, Lord, and I'm just going to be on my own and doing this on my own, and so I'm going to live like an orphan. You know, the one I was falling into, I, I felt like a failure. I felt like a failure. And so, again, empty, empty. What am I trusting more than Jesus? Jesus said this in John 6, 29. He says, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You want to know what the good news is today? For you and me to be a believer in Christ, it's to believe in the one whom he sent. That's the work God has for you today. The work is believe in the one whom he sent. This is the last point. So the first one is, what am I trusting more than Jesus? The second is this. What would happen... If God made me resilient, what would happen if God made me resilient? You got to ask this in yourself. What would happen? Like, what are the possibilities that would happen? Because here's the thing. True resilience, it's captivating. It's captivating. Some of you remember when a parent or family member were resilient through a difficult time. Some of you remember a friend and when they went through it and you remember the, the the resilience that was shown. What does it look like for a Christian to be resilient? Well, you know what, what it is. It's this, that, that it spreads. Do you know the amazing thing about this whole passage? This is the connecting point that maybe we might miss if we didn't know the history or, or, or really know what was going on. Do you know what was happening here? That... Paul, as he's being stoned, was being watched by a young Timothy. Timothy was there. You know Timothy, the the book, Timothy? First, second Timothy, like that book was written to him. He was from this area. And here's what, it say, here's what Paul says to him later in 2 Timothy 3 10 through 11. He says this You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. You know what happened to him at Lystra? He got stoned at Lystra, he got dragged out of the city in Lystra. Listen to this, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. You want to know how you're going to be persevering through the most difficult challenges in your life? It's when you look back and you say, the Lord rescued me. That's the gospel, friends. That's the good news. It's not based on you getting yourself through, being strong enough and able enough, but it's saying, God, you're the only one who can get me through this. You're the one that can rescue me. And you know what happens? Little Timothy's start to sprout up around you. They start to sprout up around you. Because right now, as I look at that, there's kids here with us. Who are the Timothys that are among us? Who are the Timothy's that are going to see the resilience that you place as you place your faith in Jesus? And you say, you know what, God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to endure on your strength. And they're going to grow up to be the ones that are proclaiming the grace of our God. The grace of our God. You say, but how do I do it? How do I do it? Charles Spurgeon once said, he says, learn this lesson Not to come to Christ because you have a broken heart, but to come to him that he may give you a broken heart. Not to come to him because you are fit to come, but to come to him because you are unfit to come. You hear that? Your uh, your fitness is your unfitness. Your qualification is your lack of qualification. When you feel like you're unqualified, when you feel like you're unfit, When you feel like, Lord, I'm trying to hold this together. You can come to know that God is able to meet you in that place and to rescue you from yourself. From yourself. A gospel resilience. That's what we need. Let's pray. Jesus, Thank you for this text. Thank you, Lord, for how it's this grander narrative and story of of what you are doing, what you did, what you'll continue to do. The same God that rescued Paul, Paul who said, I'm the chief of all sinners, is the same God who rescues us. Thank you for that rescue. Thank you for your grace and your kindness to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.